Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. This month, we've been having some good discussions on food and its impact on the environment, our health, our communities, and social justice. Food is something that we engage with every day, and the decisions you make regarding what you buy and where you buy it has an impact on the sustainability and health of you, your community, and our planet. If you want to do something within your own life to make a positive change, take a look at your habits surrounding what you eat. Joining us today is Jenny Kleiner of Dogpatch Urban Gardens, a family-run farm passionate about health, community, education, and the environment. The urban farm is built on the foundation of grow better, not bigger. So thanks for joining us this morning, Jenny. Yes, thank you. So you've been a guest before, but for those listeners who may not be familiar with you or what you do, why don't you give us a little bit about your journey to this point? Yeah, sure thing. So Dog Patch Urban Gardens is an urban farm uh, in Des Moines. We're on Meredith Drive between Beaver Avenue and Merle Hay Road. Uh, So we're uh, growing on, this season we're growing on about three-fourths of an acre. When we started... Let's see, this is our sixth growing season. When we started on year one, we were on one fourth of an acre. And over time, we've acquired more land. Um, mostly just people in the community see what we're doing and they reach out and say, hey, I've got half an acre I'm not using. I don't want to mow it anymore. Do you want to farm it? So we've been able to grow the business um, really in an organic way just through people in our community, which has been really neat. Uh, we focus on growing salad greens. That's kind of the our main market. Uh, so if there's a certain type of salad green you like, there's a good chance we grow it from lettuces to baby kale to mustard greens to larger leaf kale to spinach. Uh, that's really kind of our what we're known for. Uh, but we also grow carrots and beets and herbs, tomatoes and peppers. Uh, but we're, we're pretty particular about the crops that we grow Um, And the main reason is because we're on such a limited amount of land. Uh, Something like Brussels sprouts, which I absolutely love, it doesn't make sense for us to grow because you put them in the ground now, but we don't even get to touch them until October. (laughs) So if you think about that, they're taking up a lot of land space uh, when something like lettuce within six weeks we're able to harvest. Uh, So, so there's, there's, we're very intentional with what we grow and why. Um, So, you know, along with our crops, we have kind of evolved into a diversified business. So we have an on-site farm stand where uh, you can come shop. It's kind of like a locally sourced grocery store. And that's changed through the COVID times. And we can talk about that as we kind of go on today. Um, So we've got, we also have an Airbnb at the farm. Uh, We call it our urban farm stay. So we host um, a range of different type of guests at the farm. Uh, We now sell at the downtown Des Moines Farmer's Market. This is our first season doing that. 
we also have a commercial kitchen at the farm that allows us to host events, to host farm to table dinners. Um, it's also allowed us to create products. So we now make salad dressings in our kitchen. Uh, we do a salad topper and we also have grab and go items too. So I could keep going. There's just a lot that we keep yeah. building on with this business. So give some background on the name. How did you okay. come up with the name? So the neighborhood we are located in is lovingly known as the Dog Patch. Huh. Um, and it's got ties to the little Abner cartoon with the Dog Patch kids. Uh, some people may have no idea what I'm talking about. Others may totally know what that is. Uh, but it it initially was kind of like a, a negative term, but people in the neighborhood love it and embrace it. And since our farm is rooted in our specific neighborhood, it just made sense to name it after the dog patch. Right. Which really embraces the local of where you are. Yeah. Definitely, the definitely. place. So I know that when you were on before, I mean, this wasn't easy to get this off the ground. You were breaking lots of barriers to make this happen. So give a little history on that because in case anyone else somewhere out there in the world would want to do this, you know, there were some challenges. Yeah, there definitely were. And I would say a lot of it has to do with we're a very unique business. And so when you think about governmental regulations toward businesses, they didn't, we didn't really check all the boxes for the typical regulations. And so it wasn't as black and white as we would have hoped. Uh, there tended to be some gray areas, which kind of, in a way, um, bit us in the butt in the long run. Like we had to really deal with some regulations, but that being said, it was stressful. It was hard. We now got through it. And I think it makes our business better. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if we want to go into the specifics, I totally can, but I just think it, the hard part was we are something unique to our community. And like I said, they didn't really know how to answer all of our questions, which ended up being tough for our um, government regulatory agency and also for us. Because if I remember, you had to jump some, through some hoops that were pretty big for you mm -hmm. that were more in, in line with bigger operations. And you still yeah. had to follow yeah. some of those same rules. And yeah. Yep, exactly. So, you know, in, in the big picture, we're kind of regulated the same way that a Walmart would be regulated, which as a business owner, I totally understand that and see, you know, where they're coming from. Uh, but it went a little bit deeper because we had initially asked questions and discussed our business and we felt like we were told one thing and then it kind of changed um, as the years went on. Uh, but we're here today, we survived it. And we, we did a Kickstarter campaign to kind of rally our community and we gained support from many people in the community. So we tried to turn a negative into a positive that helped our business. And you also survived the pandemic, which mm -hmm. I would imagine required being nimble and adjusting and changing things up a bit. Oh, very much so. I mean, all small businesses, all businesses were some way impacted by the pandemic. Um, I really feel blessed that there was a, a really, um, the local food movement really started to grow last year. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people found the value in knowing their farmers. They felt safe or more comfortable knowing where their food was coming from. Uh, you know, there was a lot of supply chain concerns and issues and there was fears of like, are we going to be able to have food? Uh, and obviously it all worked out, but we last year, uh, you know, most businesses struggled, but we found last year to be our best year ever. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that deals with just the community supporting their local farmer. Um, but that being said, we also adjusted the business knowing that 
things were changing and if we stayed the same it probably um, we wouldn't be as successful so the main thing we did is we we have that in-person storefront we shifted it all online so we didn't have anyone in our building for at least a year but you could still order weekly online for contactless pickup on saturdays and that allowed the customer to still support us to still get their local healthy food and to also feel safe so um, we still have online um, ordering as an option, but now we're starting to open the storefront back up and getting into other sales avenues too. Right. And in regards to the environmental and health aspects, how do you respond to people who maybe are asking or looking for that? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of benefits with buying local and supporting local. Um, when one, one thing that stands out to me quite a bit is um, generally, if you go to a larger skilled grocery store and you buy, I don't know, an apple, you know, most of the time that apple is not coming from here in town from Des Moines. It's a very, it's a seasonal product. Um, and so if you think about where that apple comes from, let's just say Washington state. So the farmer picks it, the farmer is not going to pick it ripe because the farmer knows that it's going to be in transit for quite some time. So that farmer processes, does whatever, it ends up in a truck um, and more than likely a refrigerated truck. Uh, which then transports that apple to us. So, you know, thousands of miles before it hits us. So if you think about the environmental impact, um, we're using fossil fuels in terms of that truck to transport, um, but also think about the refrigeration needed to transport. Um, You're also not getting um, fresh product. A lot of times um, different fruits and vegetables are exposed to like ethylene gas in the transit to help them ripen up. So there's uh, nutritional benefits to eating local as well, too. Uh, I, I guess, I, I mean, I could go on mini tangents. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You don't have to convince me. Um, yeah. And, and just the fact that it, like leaning more towards plant-based, there's a whole discussion about that as well, because mm-hmm. the processing is less yes. in general, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and very much so. I, I'm a big believer in just eating um, foods that come from the ground, eating natural foods, but I'm also an advocate of, of eating meat. I'm, right. uh, I think, because um, like, if you think about plant-based, which I'm a big supporter of, but I also think about some of those like, industrial made meats that are plant-based, like there's some, some negatives to that as well. So I think, I think there's a lot of value in, in understanding how your food is made, how it's grown, how it's raised and where it's coming from. And I really think you're able to establish that when you are connecting with your local Mm -hmm. growers, um, whether it's fruit, veggies, whether they're raising chickens, whether they're, you know, herding cattle, if you're able to establish relationships with those farmers, you then get more transparency. So I really think that there's not like one specific way to eat, but when you're able to understand the process of where your food's coming from, how it's grown, I think there's lots of value there. Right. Yeah, I agree. So tell us about some of the products you mentioned some, but like in the farm stand, you are a big supporter of other local businesses as well. So tell us about some of the other things that you sell there. Yeah. So um, it's a wide range of items from local producers and local growers. So if you come to our store, you're going to be able to buy pork. You're going to be able to buy grass-fed beef. um, You're going to be able to buy local ice cream, um, milk, different dairy products. 
we have coffee, we have pastas, um, we have different fruits and vegetables, you know, because like I said, we don't grow a huge variety of items, but we get other things. So for example, asparagus, um, that's in season right now. Uh, we just don't have the space to grow that, but we get it from a farmer out in Ankeny. Um, we've got a wide variety of like sauces and bone broths, um, chocolate. So we're really trying to diversify. We've recently connected with a, a local foods distributor in the Minnesota area in Minneapolis. And so we've been able to branch out to just offer more product. So they're not necessarily from Iowa, but they're from other small scale um, growers and producers that have similar philosophies as us. So, uh, you know, everyone's definition of local is different, uh, but I still think, you know, buying from the neighboring state with people with similar philosophies still aligns with our mission. Right, right. And you also have salad subscriptions. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So, so what can you expect in that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we pretty much um, took the CSA model, which is community supported agriculture, and we um, adapted it to fit our farm uh, because generally when you do a CSA, you're getting a wide variety of stuff each week. And since I've said this many times, we don't grow a wide variety of stuff. We're like, how can we still facilitate, facilitate our form of a CSA? So essentially what you get weekly is eight ounces of salad greens. Um, and then generally it's like two different other side veggies. So maybe it's a bunch of radish and a bunch of carrots. Uh, this time of year, because we're not growing, a, we're not getting a bunch of other things out of the field rather than greens right now, we'll throw in salad dressing or our chef made some items in the kitchen that we gave to our members. So uh, we always keep people happy with fun new things that kind of complement their, their salad greens. Right. Yeah. And let's, before I forget, let's give your website so mm -hmm. folks can go on and see all these things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dogpatchurbangardens.com and it's all one word. And then there's an S on the end of gardens. Okay. And the farm stand to fork dinners was that a couple of years ago that that started? Yeah. So this is, I believe, season three that we've been doing this. Okay. And I mean, we've had some, it's so much fun. So yeah. uh, we host these events. Um, generally, let's see, it's about 40 people that attend. Um, year one and two, we just sold like by the, by the ticket and you'd have this big long table. We'd eat outside unless we get a hailstorm and, yeah. <laughs> and we move elsewhere. <laughs> I was mentioning um, be beforehand off air that I was at the very first one and there was a massive storm that night and Jenny just rolled with it. I mean, we, we had the most amazing evening and with fabulous it was food and you just, yeah, adapted. Yep. yep. We just moved everyone inside the farm stand and got cozy. So, yeah. uh, and then with, with COVID, we were not even sure if we were going to host them last year. Uh, but we ended up being able to host three. Generally, we do four. And we adjusted by selling by the table. So it was a table of six. And, you know, if you had your pod or your people that you were comfortable with and it was outside and everyone was spread out. Um, so we decided last year went really well with that. So we're doing the same thing this year where we sell by the table. Um, and we just hosted one a week ago. And it was fantastic. It was beautiful food. And then our next one is June 20th and we just sold out. <laughs> yeah. I actually signed up today. Thanks, so. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to you. We just sold out yeah. for that one. And then we'll have two more later in the season. Um, and one thing that's great about this, along with all the fabulous food, is that you bring in a guest chef, a local chef. 
Yes. Right? Yes. And that's a great point to bring up. So we have some of our favorite chefs here in town that are featured for the meal. So I'm not the one preparing it. I'm basically collaborating with the chef to let him or her know what we have fresh um, and what items we have in the farm stand. Cause the goal is to feature products that we have in the stand. Um, and they have the freedom to create whatever type of meal they want. Generally it ends up being multiple courses, but you know, it could be family style. It's really the chef gets the freedom to uh, just really uh, feature lots of local foods. Yeah. Yeah. It really is fun. So any listeners out there in the Metro, if you can snag a seat in future ones. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, um, we have one in, I believe one in August and one in September, and there's a few tables left for each of those. Okay. Okay. So your model, as you mentioned earlier, is, somewhat unique. Have you seen this adapted elsewhere and have others in the metro or in the state or beyond, are they doing something similar with all the components that you have? Yeah, I, there, there are more urban farms popping up, which I love to see. I, I just think that, that we need what we're doing in every small pocket, every little community um, and, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, but isn't that competition? It's like, no, because everybody eats. It's not a saturated market at all. I want everyone to be able to have their relationship with their farmer uh, to, to get food from them. Um, we initially, you know, we didn't create this model of, of the urban farming method by any means. And so I've really learned from other well-known urban farmers and taken what they've done and adapted it to our farm. So I wouldn't say there's a farm that does exactly what we do, um, but there's lots of farms that have similar methods that have, you know, similar setup that hosts events as well. And I just see it emerging more and more, mm-hmm. um, especially last year during COVID, it seems like there's another or a resurgence of people wanting to grow their food and kind of living more off their land. And so I'm excited to see that come about more and more. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the connectivity that you have with the community and bringing people together over food is a wonderful thing that is, you know, was kind of a lost art and it seems like it's reemerging. Yeah. And, you know, you think about any party, you go to someone's house, you always congregate in the kitchen. Like that's where you end up hanging out. And it's because the the food is is the hot point. And that's, uh, and that's why we like hosting these dinners because, you know, farming is a lot of work. And when you're just in the thick of it day in, day out, it can be really wearing on you. But when you get to host people and really be proud and show people what you've created, it really makes it worth it. Right. And one thing I love that I was, when I was researching for the show on your website, you talk about the fact that, I mean, three quarters of an acre is, is not much, especially when you're in an ag state like Iowa, where most farmers are way bigger than that. Yes. Um, but you talk about the intimacy you have with all your plants. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all your plants, you're kind of walking the rows yeah. every day. Yeah. There's, there's a saying where the best fertilizer is the farmer's foot. And yeah. the idea is, you know, the more you're aware and observant of your crops, generally the healthier they'll be. Um, and so when I'm able to, you know, do a field walk and really just observe how they're growing if it seems like there's a deficiency of, or it seems like there's a pest coming on board, we're able to um, attack that in the proper manner sooner rather than later. Uh, But if you have acres upon acres, you know, you just, you can't walk your fields like, like we can. Uh, So it's definitely allows us to really um, get a good grasp for 
any issues that may be arising. Right. So what is it that you love most about what you do? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, obviously one thing is I just love having my hands in the soil and I love just being grounded with nature. Um, I also have really learned to love running a business. Um, so, you know, it's more than just farming. It's you're, you're really an entrepreneur. And so I've uh, really come to love that aspect of it. And also just being able to connect with my community. Um, this is our first year doing the downtown farmers market, the downtown Des Moines market, which it's an amazing market. And I'm, I'm now able to meet new customers because our customers that come to the farm stand, they've been pretty loyal and I've been able to really connect with a lot of them. And so now going downtown is fun because it allows me to meet and connect with new people in the Des Moines area. So, you know, just engaging with clientele is also so much fun as well. And you also, there are a number of chefs or at least a couple that they buy local from you, right? Yes. So you're yes. a supplier to some of the key restaurants in town. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So every Monday I send out our fresh sheet and I let our chefs know, here's what we have. Um, here's pricing. And, you know, we delivered downtown Des Moines on Thursdays. So um, yeah, we've got some very loyal chefs that, you know, order weekly from us. And so it's fun to be on their menu and allow um, people to see our product in a really beautiful plate setting too. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. So any final words of wisdom, Jenny, to our listeners out there? I, you know, the, as we're talking, I kind of just feel like the one big takeaway is just to take the time to connect with your farmer. And, you know, I'm not saying it has to be me, but when you are able to really have conversations and understand your farmer, um, you tend to value your food more. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's a, a, a big role in just communicating and and connecting with your local farmer. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you for coming on and for sharing your story and, and more about all you do, giving us an update. Um, a reminder to everyone out there listening that the podcast is available at yourgreenportal.com along with the corresponding blog. And you can also listen via Spotify. So Tune in next week as we close out our discussion on food. And until then, stay healthy, stay engaged, and thanks for listening. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.